Welcome to Now Charleston. I'm Sam Spence. It's Wednesday, June 15th. Now Charleston takes a look at a handful of issues three times a week and tells you why they're important. Coming to you a little later than normal this morning after being on the road all day yesterday, um, doing some freelance reporting in the 7th District for the Washington Post. Um, Got up yesterday and drove to the Florence area, then to Latta, Marion, Mullins, Conway, Surfside Beach, Myrtle Beach, and then back to North Charleston. Long day. Anyway, a lot to unpack from Tuesday. I've got five things you need to know from Tuesday's elections. One, Trump's impact felt in the 7th District. Two, but not quite in the 1st District. Three, the governor's general election field is set. Four, two local offices in Charleston that could see new leadership in November. And five, we'll look at odds and ends here in the Charleston area. Let's go. Congressman Tom Rice's time representing the 7th District in South Carolina will come to an end next year after he lost his primary to state rep Russell Fry. Fry had the backing of former President Donald Trump in a race that was defined by Trump in pretty much every way. This is the race I was covering yesterday, and I could start to tell pretty quickly, like almost right off the bat, that this thing was looking bad for Congressman Rice. This is a seven-way race, so it was almost assuredly going to a runoff, right? But looking at the results, this this was not a third candidate spoiler situation. Fry got 50% of the vote in every single county. So even if there were no other candidates in the race and all the five other candidates' votes went to Rice, he still would have lost. Crazy. Some kitchen table issues were in play here, but it was just a very heavy Trump territory. I did not hear much else from anybody when I, that I talked to. I probably talked to 50 or 60 people yesterday. At the very least, people just weren't convinced of Rice's sincerity and his vote to impeach the former president. Um, He was one of 10 Republicans who broke with the party. And remember, primary voters are the party's most faithful voters. So it's not surprising that a break with the party's leader, Trump, uh, would come back to bite him. And in South Carolina, primaries often dictate general election victors, making it easier for long shot candidates like Russell Fry to make a run and ultimately win. In the end, Fry finished with more than 51% of the vote in the 7th District in a seven-candidate field. That's about as convincing a win as you could expect in a Republican primary. He'll face Democrat Daryl Scott in November. But in the 1st District, Trump's weighing in to support Katie Arrington did not seem to have the same impact, with incumbent Nancy Mace holding on in a pretty low turnout election for the district that ranges from Berkeley County down the coast through Beaufort County. Arrington ran a hard-charging campaign that was heavy on Trump. Um, She called him Big Daddy on the stump. Weird. She just couldn't pull together the support district-wide. I mentioned this is a low-turnout race. Just looking at the results, in the 7th District, Rice's re-election, almost 85,000 people voted in the 1st District, which all the votes have not been counted yet. Uh, They're showing about 50,000 votes. So... Bigger race in the 7th District, but also more people just came out and voted, it looks like. Charleston County, one of the anchors of the 1st District, went for Biden in 2020 um, in total. And even though some of the more Democratic parts of the district were pulled out of the 1st and into Clyburn's district with redistricting this year, there just isn't really a Trump stronghold in the 1st District like there is in Rice's district. That's the 7th. For reference, even Berkeley County, which is now in the 1st District, that's Mesa's, only went 54-43 for Trump in 2020. That's the strongest percentage in the district of any county. But in Horry County, Myrtle Beach area, where Rice and Fry both live, 
Horry County went 66-32 for Trump in 2020. So maybe this split result where Trump's candidate won in the 7th District and lost in the 1st District isn't so surprising. Nancy Mace will face Annie Andrews in November. Governor Henry McMaster fended off a pretty insignificant primary challenge on his end to secure his spot on the ballot for re-election in November. And former Congressman Joe Cunningham is the Democratic nominee for governor. Cunningham secured the nomination outright on Tuesday with 55% of the vote over State Senator Mia McLeod, who earned about 31% of the vote, with a handful of other candidates picking up the other 14% or so. I don't think McLeod is going anywhere, though. She was the first black woman ever to run for governor in South Carolina, and I think she's shown some potential to connect with people across the state, I think. And looking ahead to November... Cunningham's campaign against McMaster will be a good one to watch, at least. It'll be a tough slog, though, to take down McMaster um, if he's got a shot. Look for Cunningham to run a pretty tough race. It wouldn't take too much to run a more aggressive race than some of the Democrats who've run in the past. So there's that. Um, But as much as people say they dislike all politicians, South Carolinians keep reelecting Henry McMaster. So Look for him to put up a good fight, too. He's been in politics since the early 1980s and has held elected office in South Carolina for almost 20 years now. One interesting note, since McMaster took over the governorship in 2017, kind of in the middle of a term, uh, when Nikki Haley was appointed to the United Nations, and then he ran for re-election in 2018, if he wins again this year, he'll have served more than two terms in office, which is kind of a constitutional anomaly Uh, There are no term limits for governor in South Carolina, but you can't be elected to more than two consecutive terms. So he'll have served more than two terms, but it was only elected to two. Kind of interesting. Anyway, with a clear field, look for Joe Cunningham to spend the summer raising money and organizing, and then things will get pretty intense in the fall, I predict. Um, And that'll be on both sides. McMaster will put up a fight, I promise. In Charleston County offices, we will definitely be getting a new register of deeds after incumbent Michael Miller was defeated by Democrat Karen Hollings. Hollings trounced Miller, uh, 65-35, in the countywide race. Miller's office has been the subject of a lot of criticism over the past few months over its management and delays in recording real estate transactions. That's kind of its main job. And at the probate court, which works on estates, marriage records, and more, uh, Tamara Curry cruised in her primary bid as well, and will face incumbent probate judge Irv Condon. These races are usually not, neither of them are usually not very contested, so they'll kind of fly under the radar in November. But look for local parties to work to get their folks elected, with the thought being that to get the big offices elected, talking about Democrats now, you've got to be able to elect the lower level ones too. So, That'll be Karen Hollings versus Republican Rob McIntyre, who didn't have a primary for the Register of Deeds in November, and Tamara Curry versus incumbent Irv Condon for probate judge in November. And let's look at a couple loose ends here. Um, Republican State Rep Lynn Bennett lost her primary to challenger Gary Brewer. That's a pretty safe Republican seat in West Ashley, so Brewer could likely cruise in November. Kathy Landing, who's served on Mount Pleasant Town Council, won her Republican primary for District 80. That's a new Republican seat, kind of centered in Mount Pleasant. And it looks like Joe Bustos will keep his seat in District 112. Charleston area state rep Crystal Matthews, who announced a statewide campaign for Senate against Tim Scott a while ago, will have to run a statewide primary runoff in two weeks against Catherine Bruce. That's a tough one. A local runoff is hard enough. Um, Either way, 
it'll be almost impossible to beat Tim Scott in November. That's just not going to be a competitive race, I don't think. Uh, and with a fresh six years, uh, there's almost no reason why Tim Scott wouldn't openly play even more with presidential and vice presidential talk coming in 2024. And former College of Charleston basketball player Jermaine Johnson, who used to represent District 80, that's the one that moved down to Mount Pleasant and redistricting. Um, it was in the Midlands. Um, instead, he was forced into a primary with incumbent Wendy Brawley, and he won. Uh, Brawley has been in the House for a while as well. That's all I've got for you today. Sorry for the late show. Back to normal schedule on Friday. If you've got feedback, you can leave a voice message at 843-474-1319 or email sam at nowcharleston.com. If you can rate and review the show in Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now, that's a big help too. And as always, check nowcharleston.com for links and notes from today's show. To make sure you don't miss anything, follow twitter.com slash nowcharleston and instagram.com slash nowcharleston. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back on Friday with the next Now Charleston.